Welcome to Emerging Cricket Rewind, a retrospective series where we look back at some of the great moments in emerging cricket history. This time, we're travelling back 18 years to the 2003 Cricket World Cup in South Africa, where Namibia graced the world stage in their first major ICC event. Last time, we covered the drama of their World Cup and ODI debut against Zimbabwe, the frightening speed of Shoab Akhtar's pace barrage, and a competitive performance against England that threatened an upset for the ages. Next up was India, in Peter Maritzburg, and Dion Kotzer called correctly at the toss, opting to take the fight to India's star-studded batting lineup. The positivity was rewarded with an early breakthrough, as Rudy van Furen, Namibia's hero with the ball from the England match, removed the dangerous Verinder Sewag. Gone! Whoa, what a wicket that is. Looking to pull through the onside instead of hitting over the top. He looks to hit down on the ball, but it's carried to the fielder at short mid-wicket. Danny Hilder is the fielder, and they are jubilant. That's a big wicket for Namibia. A few overs later, Louis Berger thought he had the most prized wicket in the game, as Sachin Tendulkar chopped a dolly to third man. But unfortunately, JB Berger couldn't hold on. Oh, dropped. Chance put down. Nice, comfortable catch. He really wasn't paying a lot of attention. He had the hands on the knees. Just see a Sachin looking to really hit it hard, and it skidded on a, a little quicker than he anticipated. Healthy edge. It's a regulation catch gone down. As he kept an eye on proceedings from the sidelines, team manager Francois Erasmus knew that Namibia had fluffed a big moment in the game. I think by then the reality had sunk in that make a mistake and you will be punished. And I mean, dropping Sachin early on and then eventually getting him at 130 or 150, you just know that it wasn't your day and you cannot afford any mistakes of that nature at that level. And after that, it was one-way traffic. Tendulkar made them pay for the mistake, and Indian skipper Surav Ganguly batted himself into form, as the pair put on a batting masterclass with both racking up centuries in a partnership of 244. That's gone through. So 50 for Sachin Tendulkar. And he's brought it up in fine fashion. Bang. Four. They're starting to get expensive now, Sachin Tendulkar. They're going to rue that moment where they uh, drop that catch. Smacked it. Huge hit. Really got that one in the middle. Big finish to the over. It's 189 for one and Ganguly has 50. Well, he'll get it. Fourth hundred in World Cup cricket for Sachin Tendulkar. And India, 203 for one. Oh, he's played it fine. And he's already celebrating Ganguly. He's gone all the way for four. He's played it fine for another hundred. That's four more. Reading the bowler's mind. Picks up another boundary and lives the bat. He's got to 152, which happens to be his second highest one-day score. 
Well, that's uh, princely batting that. Very clever use of uh, a little leg stump line. Really worth uh, the entrance money, and I didn't even pay. With the score on 290, Rudy van Furen finally got rid of Tendulkar, though he'd added well over 100 runs since his reprieve. A bolded. Looking for a big one over mid-wicket. Yeah, been done by the bounce. But a very good inning comes to an end. And Rudy Van Vuren has done it again. He's picked up Saywag and he'll be able to tell the grandchildren he got ten Tendulkar too. He doesn't have to tell them for how many. But he says, I held it back. He was through the shot. I deceived him and hit the halfway up middle stump and I made him look a little awkward for once in the innings. Tendulkar, absolutely brilliant. Facing a huge total at the change of innings, Namibia might have been tempted to look back at the Sachin drop and wonder what if, but veteran spinner Lenny Lowe, who was sitting out the match with a back injury, was a bit more philosophical about the situation. Yeah, to be quite honest, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. Uh, at the end of the day, they scored 311 for two, and you know Ganguly also scored 100. Yuvraj um, Singh just came into bat before the end and drive it and those guys didn't even bat in the match. So I think realistically, um, you know, dropping Ndorko didn't make much of a difference. We were up against it and we were soundly beaten. While India's seam attack didn't have the frightening pace of Shoab Akhtar, it was led with canny skill by Javagal Srinath. And in Zaheer Khan, they possessed one of the most skillful swing bowlers in the world. It was disappointing that our batters that none of them could kick on and make a decent score against the Indian bowling lineup, which were also quality. But at least they were not that express-paced as the Australian and uh, Pakistani bowling lineups. But yet the players were so experienced and um, skillful that I think that just that was just too much for quite a few of our batters. Oh, that's going to be out. This is good bowling by Zahir Khan. Ball swinging into the right-handers, and uh, that's a perfect yorker. I think we always felt if he got it in the right area with a little bit of swing, he's going to do him. And, uh, there's no doubt about that. Again, some swing. This is a good shout, and the finger goes up. At last, he's got the ball where it was supposed to be, on middle stump, finishing on middle stump. That was the key. Let's have another look. They're getting a pounding on the boots, the Namibian batsman, mainly because Zahir Khan is swinging the ball so far. As the rest of the top order struggled against Khan, JB Berger again contributed to the highlights reel as he thrashed 29 off 30, though of course he ended well short of making up the deficit after Tendulkar's let off. That's four. With an offer, and Berger's gone after it. Oh, that smash back. Again, pit stop. Jerry Berger makes no mistake in hammering it down the ground. Clean hit. One bounce into the stands. It's again a fuller length delivery. Now that's gone all the way. JB Berger is on fire again. Beware, Indians. Golden. Trying to cut it. Backward a point. The ball has hurried on through. And Namibia's star act in this World Cup with the bat is on his way back. With JB gone, wickets continued to tumble. And Namibia were bowled out for 130. Despite the disappointing result, though, 
the match still had future captain Herod Erasmus hooked. Yeah, all struck of our players playing against Sachin Tendulkar and he got dropped early on in his innings and, and he went on to score 140. But then again, it was just, it's probably meant to be because a, a young cricketing nerd like me um, wanted to see Sachin Tendulkar bat against Namibia, you know. So those kind of memories, even though they, for cricket reasons, they... They're probably quite negative, but they were very positive in the sense that young guys like me remember our team playing the, all, all these legends that we only seen on TV ever. Namibia's penultimate match was the toughest of the campaign. In Potchefstroom, they faced reigning champions Australia who boasted one of the most formidable ODI teams in cricket history and were in the middle of a red-hot run of form that included three consecutive World Cups and an astonishing 35-match unbeaten streak at the event. England was a highlight, Australia and Poch a lowlight. Um, also, again, bowling and fielding quite well, but then obviously when their skilled bowlers came on, the likes of McGrath, Brett Lee, Bickle, that was just too much and we got rolled out for less than 50. I remember Darren Lehman still getting a hold of us at the end of, of their innings and then the great spell of uh, Glenn McGraw who took a miserly 7 for 15 and seeing Brett Lee bowling really rapidly at our batsmen. All, all good memories though. Um, it was very cool to see our guys up against the best and the, the great Aussie team of the time. Adam Gilchrist standing back uh, so far almost on the ring to catch balls from uh, Brett Lee. So those memories are still, they still edge um as some good memories, you know, not just a demolition. But far from being intimidated, Namibia relished the challenge, as Kotzer explained after Australia decided to bat at the toss. Dion, this is the one you've been very excited about, isn't it? Ever since you saw you're in the same pool as the Australians. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's the one you could have either had sleepless nights about or, uh, or look forward to. And I think in our case, we're very excited about it. Um, the guys have looked forward to this for a long time. Um, yeah, it's the opportunity to sort of measure yourself against the best in the world. Burton van Roy was one who rose to the occasion with a high-quality opening spell that included a gem to dismiss Adam Gilchrist. Bowled him out. Gilchrist goes. Well, what a moment for Burton van Roy. It's a biggie. His first one-day international wicket, Adam Gilchrist bowled with a beauty. Dipped in late. He said the in-swing into the left-handers is a good weapon. He's round the wicket as well as swinging it. Look at that. Of course, Gilchrist's opening partner, Matthew Hayden, the world number one ranked batsman at the time, was undeterred. This is Rudy van Furen. Too wide and punished. There's no man down now. It's about a deep square. But uh, it wouldn't have mattered very much unless he was uh, about 14 feet tall. It's gone for six. Matthew Hayden is uh, just giving Andrew Simons a bit of a look. So some fireworks just recently from Hayden in particular. And he's not stopping. That's, has that carried? There'll be an inquiry. I think it maybe was... Oh, oh no. <laughs> Billy Bowden would tell you, even if I can't. His eyes are okay, Robin. Just got over, I think, between rope and fence. When Louis Berger finally got one past him, Hayden had top scored with 88 of 73. He's bowled him out. He's bowled him out, so Hayden's innings comes to an end, as entertaining as it has been. Two more wickets to Berger during a disciplined spell 
helped Namibia stop the Aussies from getting away entirely, as he removed Michael Bevan for 17, and then skipper Ricky Ponning for just two. That can assist him. Got him. Oh, Bevan has gone. I can't really say that he's looked happy at any stage. It was very much a net practice for him. To say there might be a bit of an injury there for the bowler who grabbed at it, might have got thumb caught up with his fingers and the ball. Slow ball to finish the over. Bevan's been looking down the ground for his singles. Rolls the fingers over the slow ball and the stops on the pitch. Bevan looking to whip it to the right. Leading edge. Back to Louis Berger. Hits his thumb by the look of it, but he's glad to grab it. Bevan, what a big wicket. Out. Backward point. Takes the catch. And another big wicket for Berger. Andrew Simons played in his usual aggressive fashion, with a counter-attacking 59 as he linked up with Damian Martin for an 84-run fifth-wicket partnership. Around the track, and once again oh, belting the ball. Oh, this will challenge the fielder there. Misses it, that's gone. For a four. Six of the over, 31 overs, bowl, 168 for four. Oh, that's fiercely put away. That'll go for a six. I think it's gone all the way. That is one powerful hit. And Billy Bowden, uh, well, he's celebrating that. Andrew Simons entertaining everyone. 31 of 41. Damien Martin just a little slow. Well, that is uh, nicely put away. Just as we were mentioning that he was slow. He has hit a lovely four through the offside. And only into the first row of bleachers, but then it was just a gentle little stroke. 210 for four from 39. Burton Van Roy returned at the death, delving into his bag of tricks to keep a lid on the rush hour hitting, and ending up with impressive figures of one for 24. And another slower one. A very clever over, this. Very clever over. I haven't seen too many bowlers in world cricket who've got two different slower balls. That's the one out of the back of the hand. It seems upright. And the ball before, he bowled it out of the front of the hand with a more of an off-spinner's action. Terrific. But Rudy van Furen, who'd already had a tough day with the ball, was ambushed by a rampaging Darren Lehman. Rudy van Furen. Bowling his last over. He's gone for 64 in nine. Wow, beautiful. Stand and deliver. What a great shot that was. Very clean hit. That's a good shot too. Whoa, halfway up the bank. And was that held? No, perhaps that was put down too. What a great shot though from Darren Lehman. What a wonderful over for him and for his team. What a know what this is turning out to be for the Australians. Well, he can get to 50. I was going to say, before that ball was bowled, Darren Lehman had 40. He's got one ball left to go from 44 to 50. 22 runs scored, all coming in fours and at six. This is fantastic stuff from Darren Lehman in control of his uh, slogging. Well, he's tried, he's got it high and he's gone to 50. What a wonderful over. Goodness me, four, four, four. Six, four, six. 
And Darren Lehman, 50 in 31 deliveries. Well, a phenomenal finish from Darren Lehman, and uh, they are all up in the balcony because it has been a fantastic innings. Lehman's blitz, however, would soon become a footnote in history as Australia took the new ball to defend their total of 301 for six. <laughs> uh, Glenn McGrath against Australia, where you had Brett Lee literally bowling at nearly 160 kilometres an hour from the other side. I think he was simply too quick to get anyone out. Um, and Glenn McGrath was simply nicking people off and, and took seven wickets, which I think 15. is seven for 15. But despite it being McGrath who cleaned up the Namibians, it was the extreme pace of Brett Lee that made the biggest impression. Again, it was one of those experiences where any one of those batters will remember every ball that was bowled against him at a pace that he's never seen, never experienced and felt in the ribs. And unfortunately, some of the chirping didn't help asking Bradley whether he was indeed a fast bowler and Danny Kilder having to avoid and await the next ball being bowled at him at about 1.58. Oh, that's quick. That's nasty. Ozzy padded up, he's not. No chest guard there, he's got the arm guard on. Can't see any evidence of anything protecting the front rib cage. Still smiling, this is what they wanted. They're in the thick of it. Yeah, I had the privilege of facing Brett Lee for 17 balls and I couldn't get him off the square. I got hit <laughs> quite a few times. But yeah, it's, it's just, you see the ball, but you, you sort of just late on everything. Um, no matter how quick you put the bowling machine on what you know so it's not easy uh, for us definitely at that pace uh, at that pace I don't think anyone um, sort of was happy to face that you can be Jack Cullis as well. well that's good bowling that's not easy to face 157 Ks and swing away Ricky Ponting at second slip will keep those hands warm but yeah, and then along trots Glenn McGrath took seven for 15, you know. <laughs> you actually f you felt like a military medium bowler after you faced Brett Lee, but then obviously picking up all the, the wickets. Skill just, yeah. yeah. Watching the onslaught, Namibia's coach Dougie Brown knew his team was outmatched by a world-class bowling attack at the top of its game. We, we obviously struggled. Uh, as, as best as we had trained, preparing people to play in that environment at that intensity, at that um, level of skill is actually pretty difficult. It takes a career to do that. And we had tried to shortcut it in the space of three or four months, which is really, really difficult to do. But, you know, credit to the Namibian guys. They're a tough bunch of individuals and a tough country. And, you know, they went out and, and got stuck in as best as they can and, and didn't flinch. Uh, I think the skill levels and the speed of the game was a thing that made it very difficult for them, but we weren't the only team to, to be undone by that um, hostility and, and level of skill and pace over the course of the tournament. Oh, was, was there a glove there, or was that arm guard? And he's given him, umpire Billy Bowden's given him. Well, the batsman was indicating that may well have been arm guard. It certainly clipped something on the way through. And umpire Billy Bowden said, that's glove and you're on your way. It's a big shout. Yes, that is out. Well, Glenn McGrath's just been nipping the ball back to the right-handers. On that occasion, he's caught Murgatroyd on the crease, and that looked pretty plumb from up here. Oh, is that an inside edge? Yes, it is. He knew it too, the batsman. He was almost turning to walk off. McGrath, once again, finding movement off the seam. 28 for five. McGrath just destroying Namibia here at the Northwest Stadium. And Lee frightening them. Well, that might be out. Yes, it is. Well, there's five for McGrath. 
that did and brilliantly caught uh, the first one that Gilchrist caught where no one appealed it was quite a simple catch and that one has brought Glenn McGrath's best figures in uh, a limited overs international 45 for 7 Namibia now fiery piece of cricket from the Australians and this is a wonderful catch from Alan Gilchrist the ball actually seems back in to the right hand out so Gilchrist looked like his weight was traveling to the left he pushed back and took a screamer in front of Damien Martin at first slip. McGrath's got six. Gilchrist's got four catches. And maybe up 45 for seven. Second best at five-wicket haul against the West Indies at Old Trafford. And that's another one. 45 for eight. It's uh, an interesting little game for Namibia. They're getting an idea now of what high-class bowling is about and uh, what they've got to do as bowlers themselves. To be fair to Bjorn Kutsch, it may just have straightened fractionally. Pitched off, was probably angling into middle, straightened down the line and hit the top of off. McGrath's got seven wickets now, Namibia 45 for eight. After the game, though, there were no hard feelings as the Aussies joined Namibia for a beverage and a chat, as well as passing on some of their experience gained at the top level of international cricket. But yeah, afterwards, we were invited to the change room and great experiences were shared. And I must say, most of the Aussie players were brilliant with our players in the dressing room for about an hour, chatting, giving advice, and overall just being very positive and being splendid sportsmen. Um, having a drink with the Australians was brilliant. You know, just to realise that these guys actually don't see themselves as anything special. They see themselves as normal people who just happen to be quite good at playing cricket. So, you know, that was certainly another favourite memory from my side. Uh, me and Sorrel Berger, the previous captain um, that's been retired for about two years now, sitting down one day in the changing room and we spoke about them playing against Australia in 2003 and how the Australian boys came to their changing room afterwards and how they spoke to them and that they had so many questions. And he said it helped him a lot in terms of his bowling and his batting, the way he trained afterwards, the way they spoke about doing things, you know, being more professional and all that kind of things. So, no, it's a, a great experience. There was still one more game before heading home, and the encounter with the Netherlands in Bloemfontein was something of a grudge match after the two countries had traded defeats in the qualifying tournament 18 months earlier. Yes, I can assure you there was a bit of niggle. Those players who were involved in the 2001 qualifier would have had in the back of their heads the competitiveness of both those games, the first one where we beat the Dutch, and then the way they came back and won a game which they had basically lost it was indeed quite a feeling of rivalry uh, between our two teams, um, not only at the qualifying tournament, but even before that. It's always been a close rivalry between Namibia and the Netherlands. And um, we also beat them at the qualifying tournament, but then they won the final by with the last ball. Very much so. I, I think I mentioned it earlier. That was definitely the game that we had targeted, and I'm dead sure they did exactly the same. So yes, the, by the, you know, there'd been years of rivalry between Namibia and Holland. And by this stage in 2003, things were actually very close between the two teams. It was really, you got the feeling that it was always sort of, you know, they'd win one and then we'd win one. And it all just was who played better on the day. And unfortunately, in, in this game, we just came up short. Holland played brilliantly. 
Their sixth straight defeat was a sad way to end the long and sometimes emotional Cricket World Cup campaign. But after three weeks of toil against some of the best teams in the world, Namibia were perhaps a touch complacent against familiar opposition. Uh, the match against the Netherlands was probably the biggest disappointment. They certainly had more energy than we had, and we were quite flat. Our bowlers were wayward. I think by then there was a bit of a deflated attitude, which is wrong, but it probably did happen. And yes, I think the Dutch batters batted well, but were also you know, given opportunities. And they scored 314 runs. And the two guys of their team scored hundreds, uh, Kloppenberg and Van Noordwijk. Neither of them really ever scored runs before then uh, against us. So we were quite flat in the field and with the ball. Um, if you go through the scorecard, you'd see they had a 230-odd run partnership for the second wicket. Yeah. Um, and that really took it away from us. You know, the, the lingering memories from that game is that we just didn't bowl particularly well. Oh, huge pull shot. That's raced away through mid-wicket for four. Very convincing shot from Shifley. He moves on to eight. It's pulled away. Fine legs up in the circle. They'll run away for four. Valuable runs at the wrong time. In the last pull. 36 for one now. Giving a bit of width, and a slash at it. It can slash hard, no slip, keep her up, and it'll go for four. In the air, through the gap, that's four. Well, it ends a good over. 53 for one. Well, that's hit powerfully down the ground. Will that go all the way? Yes, it will. That's six. That was definitely the shot of the day so far. And the last ball might uh, get him a wicket. It's up in there. There's a, a feeler coming underneath it and he got his hands to it, but it slips through. It's one of the quirks of international cricket that the toughest games aren't always the ones with the most riding on them. And due to their self-imposed expectations, Namibia arguably played worse cricket against their fellow associates than against the world champions. We always knew that the, the final, or our final, was going to be against the Netherlands and um, you know, quite often is the way it's sort of when you put quite a lot on your game, as, as best as you try to take it away from the players and just make it another game, it ends up being a bit of a final and, and you end up you know, maybe putting a bit too much on it and it was disappointing in Bloemfontein that we, we didn't manage to go out and sort of give ourselves the best chance of competing. Yeah, look, we, I think we put ourselves under pressure for that game because that's the one that we really wanted to win. So it wasn't a sort of a, you know, let's go out and just compete. We really wanted to win that game, even though it was the last game. But yeah, and I think by doing it, we didn't execute what we wanted to. Um, it was a flat wicket. And, and look, they played well. Every time they've connected, it went for six like it should. So from their point of view, it probably was the perfect game to play. And for us, it just, yeah, we didn't execute what we wanted to. Down the track once again. This may go over the top as well. Yes, it does. Huge six. And all the field that uh, Longhorn can do is watch it sail over the top. That's it. Up in there. That's going all the way. It's just seemed to go over. What a superb strike. Well, that's it. He's taking the quick single. If he hits, he's out. He would have been run out. He's got his 100 and he's overjoyed. Terrific shot. Absolutely awesome striking from Kloppenberg. 
It's hit high and handsome at six. Just over the deep mid on. Well, nicely taken single. And with that single, partnership, 200. 225 for one. That slashed away again. That's four more. Well, happy hour. It's more than that right now. It's not double. It's plenty. And they're going for the single. Well, he could be run out if he hits. But he's missed the wicket. And he's gone to his 100. Can you believe it? Well, fantastic. Great batting. And well done. Oh, he's hit that sweetly. That's gone all the way. Huge six there over mid-wicket. He's given that the treatment. Has it gone all the way? Yes, it has. One more. Huge six, and that uh, takes the score to 297. For Captain Kotzer, it was the missed opportunity that hurt the most. Having said that, on a very, very, very good surface um, in Bloemfontein, which the 314 that they made was certainly gettable if we had just played better. And then, you know, I think that we were slightly deflated going into into halftime between innings, just feeling that we hadn't played well and that maybe we'd let the moment slip with this being the big game for us. And then when we were batted again, unfortunately, our top batters all made a few runs, but nobody kicked on and made a, a big hundred as the two Dutch boys did. And that left us many runs short. Francois Erasmus credits the Dutch for their improved showing and preparation since the qualifier. It also showed that I think the Dutch had probably outwitted us to a certain extent the way in which they had prepared since we played them last in 2001 and developed and we had maybe maybe not developed as much as we could have or should have ultimately though going home from a world cup without a victory was a bitter pill to swallow for the whole team massive disappointment i think for everyone and for the coaching staff and the management that day against the dutch was probably the hardest to swallow even though the game was eventually played in good spirit and we had a few good beers afterwards. It was just simply very, very disappointing to not be able to win a match in the World Cup. And It was quite disappointing. Uh, that was the one match that we targeted to win. And uh, we, we should have done better in that match. So, yes, it was a bit, um, well, not a bit disappointing. It was very disappointing not being able to actually just at least perform to the best of our abilities on that day when that was the game that we'd always felt we had a very realistic chance of winning. The team on the field were their own harshest critics, but watching with the innocent eyes of youth, Gerrit Erasmus was just happy to see his heroes on the big stage one last time. The last game, the one we were full of winning uh, against the Netherlands, I, I went to go watch at the stadium itself in South Africa. So that's quite cool memories. Um, obviously, um, my memories were a bit easy. I was only eight years old, but I think uh, they got a 310 or something. Two guys scoring 100. And we still managed about 250 or so with three or four guys getting 50s. So it was still nice to see my heroes scoring 50s at a World Cup. Still remember Gavin Murgatroyd. And so uh, it was still a very nice experience to see them bat on the world stage. Join us next time as we wrap up the series with Namibian players past and present reflecting on the legacy of 2003 and how it's still shaping the future of their cricket. This Rewind podcast is a production of Emerging Cricket, written, hosted and edited by Nick Skinner. 
Special thanks go to the ICC and Rob Moody, also known as Rob Alinda, for the archival audio, as well as Dougie Brown and all the Namibians who kindly shared their recollections. Dion Kotza, Dani Kilda, François Erasmus, Lenny Lowe, Irene Fonseil, Herit Erasmus and Stefan Bard. For more leading coverage of the game outside its traditional centres, head to EmergingCricket.com or subscribe to the weekly Emerging Cricket podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to chip in to support us financially in producing more high-quality content, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash emergingcricket. That's patron, spelt P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com slash emergingcricket.